Yo, all of those kids are going to have to calm down. I can hear them loud and clear in this. Quiet on the set, everyone. We're recording. Are they getting louder? Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hello. Hi, you two. Hey. Thanks. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, this <laughs> week, <laughs> this week, we're joined by my other very best friend, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Ashley is a good friend of mine from the neighborhood, and she is a flight attendant, and we want to talk to her about it. So, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on Outrageous. So um, welcome. This is My Jason. This is, this is Trisha. Hi, guys. Ashley, in this fraught time of travel, mm-hmm. I can't think of a more interesting and possibly frustrating job mm-hmm. than to be a flight attendant. Just tell us a little bit about why you got involved in this in the first place, in the, pre, in the, in the before times. What was it that attracted you to do that? Well, if we're going way back, when I first wait, wait, How far back are we going? I'm talking about like 15. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> way, way back. When I was like 15, the first thing that allured me was Virgin, Virgin Atlantic Air, air hostesses wearing red lipstick and heels. That was... That was Go off, Ashley. The starter of me being a flight attendant, okay? And then it slowly went downhill from there because I realized how much they actually earned. And I was like, never doing that. And roll on. Something 20 years later, I was, no, probably less. I, I decided that I wanted something where I could travel and meet lots of interesting people and use my skill sets that I had um that, you know, I'd got over a certain amount of time and I was like, I would, why not be a flight attendant? I also am just one of those people who like a really flexible schedule. So it kind of just worked perfectly. And that's how I kind of got into being a flight attendant. And I've now been a flight attendant for three years and it's nothing really like you think it's going to be when you start. Oh, I can't I wait mean... to hear. <laughs> you don't, by the way, you don't have to say who you work for, but I okay. expect full dish. Okay. I expect... <laughs> well, if you, if you start out loving the outfit and the lipstick. Oh, isn't it great? Really and then... <laughs> where, do you, where do you go from there? <laughs> You're like, wow. I think you realize that this is not what it's about at all There's i find no that kind of funny because I, I feel like you could you could wear that outfit and not be a flight attendant i find could it you? interesting that, that, that that's <laughs> what you? recruited you if you saw uh, if you saw a woman at the bar in the full <laughs> flight attendant gear would you talk i mean and and you talk to be like hey so what do you who do you work for and you're like oh i'm not a flight attendant jason no would not no, be but cool. the point is if it's the outfit that's attracting you to the profession you could wear the, I mean, it's, it's like saying you're taking a job because you like the outfit. You could go to a bar right. in the outfit. You could do whatever oh, you want no. in the outfit. No, there's a whole, there's a whole mystique, obviously. There, there, yeah. And the, there's the whole travel aspect and you're like, yeah. ooh, this is sexy. And then you realize real quick that it ain't sexy. Well, let's talk about how unsexy <laughs> it is. Like what, oh. what do you, how is it unsexy? Because I think it's, it, from my point of view, you get to fly from port to port 
mm-hmm. for, for free. And the fact, you get mm-hmm. paid for it. Sometimes you get to stay overnight. Like it just seems mm-hmm. fantastic. But what's the dark side? <laughs> okay, first and foremost, there is, I, I would say there are two, two very different sides to it. Okay, you can have one trip where it is a lot more sexy and you're staying somewhere that's a bit more luxury. You know, you, you've got a nice hotel. And then the other side and the side that it normally goes down is that you are meal prepping, okay, to to get somewhere. You're in a tiny little capsule for seven hours staring at a wall. Sorry to say it, but with shit up against the bathroom next to you and it smells really bad. And then you have people coming in every five seconds trying to get through to the bathroom, but it's like they're mining it. They They can't get in. And so you're there with these people continuously like ringing their bell, their call bell. So you, it just, it just deteriorates so quickly. And then when you get to the hotel that you've been, after you've been on the plane for six or seven hours, you get to this hotel and you think that, you know, you, you might go out for a, a couple of drinks with friends. By that time, you're too tired. So you're literally net, Netflix and chill in your bed with a subway. Cause by that point you don't want the food that you've been, you know, you've made for yourself for six hours and you're there and you have this food on you. And it's just like, you have this image and I have it all the time where you're like looking down at yourself. <laughs> and you're like, is this really my life? Like you're there in the bed and, and don't get me wrong. The room's also prop moldy from where it hasn't been cleaned, you know, properly. And there's, there's stinky smoke and there's people walking outside and you're not sleeping well. I mean, for instance, my, we stay at the, um, have you stayed at the place in the stratosphere at Las Vegas ever? Has any of you ever stayed at? Okay. <laughs> it, it is the diviest hotel you could possibly, possibly imagine. I, I don't care where I go. I just like to stay in a nice hotel. My friend literally had, she said that there was bullet holes. <laughs> <laughs> in the wall <laughs> that she was that she was staying at so it just really is nothing it really is nothing like you think it's going to be and the thing that I will say is that you have some amazing trips and if you get a good trip and you get a good crew it is wild like it is so much fun and you learn you learn so much about so many different cultures and aspects of people for instance my crew I had actually before you know COVID all hit she was a Mormon he was a retired New York police officer okay and then you have my flip my friend Clayton who was early 20s black man and super cultured and then you had me and you just would never get that group of people in a room together in Las Vegas on a four-day trip it was just a really it was a beautiful bonding experiment really of like really dissecting each other's different like different forms of life that you, you just wouldn't be put in that situation. What, what's a good trip? And what's like a, what's a, what's a, cause you said that if you get a good trip, is a good trip mm. like Vegas and like a bad trip is like Des Moines. Oh, no, no, yeah, God. Is, no, no, no. How does that work? To me, a bad trip is, is Las Vegas. I, I, I don't, I don't enjoy I mean, I a trip to Las say, Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a good trip is going to like San Juan and having like, you have like a, you know, 24 to, 48 hour layover all depending so you have a really long layover and you get to really explore the city and you have an amazing crew and actually when I it's literally like potluck because you can stroll up on on a trip and not know who you're working with 
So every day is different. And that part, can, it, it really is like, oh my, these people are amazing and I love them. Or you are staring out this tiny window for seven hours for four days going, help me. <laughs> no one to talk to. And you're like, aimlessly so, so there all on your phone. So there aren't set crews? No. Oh, I thought there no. might be you work with it like maybe over time or something. It's like I mean, roulette. You just it, it is a Russian roulette. Sometimes people Russian can it Russian really roulette. is. Yeah, no, not just roulette. It. Russian no. roulette. This shit will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> because there are people, okay, just give me an insight to the industry. There are people that have literally been blacklisted. And I, you don't know when you first start this, blacklisted. People have lists who not to work with, that they share with their other friends, like try and avoid trips with. Yeah, it is. it is. It can be like that. There are certain people that no one wants to work with. And Informal lists, not like formal lists on like company stationery. No. Okay. As far as Ashley like, knows, as far as she as knows. <laughs> gonna say <laughs> no that, no there there are lists where people pass through their friends being like this person or for themselves being like never work with number one nine eight 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 because they're the devil <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it and so sometimes you can get a trip with you know three people that you really just don't i mean there's people that you don't vibe with and then there are people that are just you know, you're just like, is this hell? <laughs> Am I in hell? Remember there was a time when they shifted from calling people stewardess to flight mm-hmm. attendants? Because mm-hmm. I think there was a stewardess label which really kind of harkened back to the old days, right? And then the Absolutely, flight attendant yeah. was meant to sort of suggest safety. And I have mm-hmm. to say that, like, over time, I started to really appreciate the flight attendant's role as, like, a safety officer of sorts, right? Right, <laughs> right. You- does that become startling to you as you're going through the training and you realize that you're sort of like the the last stop before, you know what I mean? Health, the health and safety of someone. Absolutely. And it, it is funny because, you know, people, they have this running joke of like, realistically, be nice to your flight attendants because if you were ever in an emergency, really, truly, we're the people who will either take care of you or not, you know, or, or like you, throw you off the wing. Yeah. What? Hear, you off hear the that, wing. listeners. Hear that. This <laughs> oh is God. an ominous warning from Ashley. <laughs> what? Ashley is Ashley really threatening us? What? No, but it is really interesting that people. No, but no. It is. No, I mean, they do. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's a big part. But you are absolutely right. You do go through training, and then all of a sudden, like it becomes more and more real that this isn't just. I mean, you know that there is so many safety aspects to it. But really, I mean, my training was six weeks long and it was, it was rigorous. And I didn't even, to to this day, I still don't feel like it was enough training, but the the amount of information that you're constantly given and having to know. And when I started, I, I mean, this is, this is funny. I was scared of turbulence. I was absolutely petrified. Oh, this is my question. I wanted to ask about this. (laughs) Does it get better? Are you like scared 50% of the time? (laughs) <laughs> to add to this ridiculousness, I was terrified of turbulence to the, to the point where I had, I mean, I have a play, I had a playlist on my phone if we were going to go down in a plane, because I was, my imagination would go wild that I'd have like a certain song that I would die to, because I, I, I know, <laughs> it's so dark. 
It's true. Up to this I point, I thought it would be cool to be on a flight with you as the flight attendant. <laughs> and somehow that, that has burst. I, and now she's no, gone. That's no offense. Well. You know it's great? Well. If you have Ashley on a flight and you see her take out her iPod and just cheerfully like, <laughs> <laughs> you're done. It's over. <laughs> also, I said iPod because it's 2007. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, I mean... That changed. That definitely changed over time. Turbulence, you have no control. And that's why so many people are scared of flying. It's this, it's this fear of the unknown. And you're just like, okay, this is what I'm doing. But when, you know, when I'm in the role of being a flight attendant, it changes. So you have, you have a very different mindset to it. And I'm really not scared of turbulence anymore. But I, I was when I first started. I was like, this isn't, this isn't fun. <laughs> I, I want to talk about passengers. Oh, please. Um, passengers from like different cities, like if you're flying out of New York, are like the people a certain way versus like if you're flying out of Fort Lauderdale? I want to hear more about that, like the regionalisms. When I tell, it's so interesting because also I, I you know, I've worked in, I've worked in hospitality for a very, very long time. And it's, it's interesting just like analyzing people in general, but you really do, once you start flying, you know, it's like getting off, you know, and any state that you're getting off, you know how people are always dressed a certain way, you know, a New Yorker as a New Yorker, it is absolutely the same. Like you, there's a certain flight, Boston flights, I love. I love them only because they're a hot man on flights, but that's the only reason. Like West going to Boston or coming from Boston? Where are the hot men? Either doesn't doesn't matter. They going to and from Boston to New York. There's a lot of shuttling, right? So there's only like four. There's a very quick, easy businessman flight. They never give you any issues. They're just on and off. It doesn't matter who they are. Super quick, super easy. They know the they know the the rules of of what it is. And then you get the West Palm Beach flights, which are the living hell that everyone. I mean, everyone avoids the trips too and constantly is dropping them to not go to West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach huh. to New York is the hell plane. Wow. <laughs> Why? Because you have white entitled old people that are extremely rude and, <laughs> and expect, you know, expect the world. Really, truly, that's it. I mean, me spoke about this, Chris, but I can remember... The amount of times I get white old men um, when I greet them, they'll say to me, oh, it's so nice to see a real flight attendant. And I'm like, what does that actually mean? Because I'm wearing red lipstick and you know what I mean? Because I'm, well, I, I don't know what you're insinuating, but I know very, I know very well what they're insinuating because they feel they expect a white woman to be a flight attendant mm -hmm. with red lipstick and a nice bun, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you have just a capsule full of these people that just expect a lot from you mm -hmm. from the minute you start to the minute you end and really have no idea what it is like to struggle in life. And it's just, it, it's just not a, a particularly fun flight to be on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's you, the best way to describe it. Do you do international flights or at all? How, were you ever? We, so we do. Um, yes, we do. Well, we go to the islands. So we go to Dominican Islands. We go to Jamaica. Believe it or not, going to like uh, Santo Domingo is a really difficult flight. A very difficult flight. 
they don't understand restrooms. I don't know why. What I does know. that mean? Exactly what you think it means. No, nope. It can't be what I'm thinking. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's exactly what you think it means. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm going to need you to spell it out because what do you mean? <laughs> the tissue paper that you use, they don't put it in the toilet. They just put it all on the floor. Or if they can't find, there have been instances where people have come back into the galley and have literally tried to pee next to you <laughs> instead of using the restroom. <laughs> and it's like, no, the toilet's there. Like... And I'm not saying it's every flight, but it is most flights. That's for whatever reason. What is that really... Well, so mm. I, I've never been in the Dominic- Dominican Republic, so I don't know if, if this is I... the reason here. But look, there are places where you can't flush toilet paper down a toilet, right? Yeah, there are I places like exactly that. It. And so you're used to throwing it in a bin, in a bin, in a bin. that's yeah. very accessible. There are places where it's socially acceptable to kind of urinate anywhere, uh, just about anywhere. There are places <laughs> like that. I don't say that. I'm not saying it judgmentally. Like I've been in countries where that's yeah. just the case, right? Yeah, I, exactly. I didn't. I didn't know Dominican Republic was one of those pee anywhere places. And no one's that's, saying it is, listeners. No, I just exactly. we don't know. <laughs> we just no, don't know. And I and it is interesting because you. That's when I. That's why I'm saying it becomes difficult because you're on a four-hour flight, okay, and you only have three flight attendants, and the restrooms just start filling up toilet paper on the floor. That's not a fun flight to be on. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Now, or they're miss- they're just missing, and they're trying to be next to you in the galley, and you're like, this is this is the toilet. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> now that COVID has taken over all of our lives like in a general sense, but in any more specific sense, how's it affected the job that you're doing? I mean, it ha- dr- dramatically, sure, sure. I think is, is the best way to describe it just because flights have been massively cut. So most people are either not flying or they're not, you know, they're not flying or if you are flying, there really isn't any interactions with people at all. And you, it, it's funny because you, you know, when you work a lot, you're, you're like, oh, I could really do with a break, right? So when you're flying, you're just like, can't wait for that moment when you're not, when you have a minute to sit down. Mm-hmm. And, but once this all happened, you kind of realize how much you miss it. <laughs> so anything, right? So you, because people are just now getting on the plane with a mask on, there's no service whatsoever. Everyone is terrified of each other. Everyone is terrified of you. <laughs> it's just a very sobering experience. I don't know, just to watch the whole world do a 180, that's how it feels. The life just got sucked out of New York City and that's how it was in the airport. It just felt like the life just, it honestly felt like an apocalypse, like the apocalypse happened Mm -hmm. because there was no one in the airports. Then you're on these planes, you know, for six hours or two, whatever, however long, and you're doing nothing. There's no interaction or people are really scared because of this virus and they're just being hostile to you or they're being hostile next to the customer because they're like, get away from me. Why are you so close to me? And then you have these kind of fights or arguments on, on board. So I, I was reading something the other day about how, you know, at the minute the world is on two different frequencies. And I really do feel that. Like I, you have these people that, some people that are super heightened and scared and angry and, and they're just holding all this like tension. Or you have these people that are just like, okay, leaning into it and just being like, okay, you know, 
I just have to get on, get on with my life. And it's really interesting to see that in a cabin because everyone's response is the fight and flight mode is very, very different. Well, are, is you there, are you it. seeing a third version, which is the people are like, this isn't a big deal. Why are we all changing our behavior? Or are those people um, not on planes? You, well, you know, you, it's funny you say that because you know immediately who those people are because they don't walk on with a mask. You're having to ask them, please put your mask on. Please put your mask on. Please put your mask on. Those are the people that you know that aren't taking it seriously and also have no consideration for anyone else because yeah. it doesn't matter what your beliefs are, really, because at the end of the day, if people are scared around you, you should respect those people. That's how I feel like. If you right. don't believe that... It, if you don't believe in COVID or that you believe that this is all like whatever you think, there's not, everyone has different viewpoints on this. You just need to be kind to your neighbor and the person next to you is literally fearing for their life or they're scared that they have a grandma they're going to pick it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, you, you are definitely seeing those, those people. And it, it's difficult because it, I don't know, it just brings, it's brought out so many different sides of people. But what I will say is that I think, people are respecting us slightly more on the planes than they were before. Definitely. They're not, you know, it's not as like you do, do all this for me. They're just grateful that you're there and that you're either taking them home or that you're taking them somewhere. You're definitely treated with a different amount of respect. That's I'm glad to hear that. That's, yeah. that's encouraging at least. So what, what do you all say to each other about kind of the future of travel? Is there a return to some other time? It is, it's definitely one of those things where I think we're all just, I, I think everyone's got their like claws in and just like prepare, like preparing yourself. I'm, I'm in that position right now where I'm just like, okay, so there's a, there's a really big chance I'm going to get furloughed right now. Mm-hmm. That's a really scary, I don't know, that, that's a very scary time. It's a very scary time for anyone, but you're constantly like, okay, so is it now? Like, is it now that I'm being let go? Is it now that I have no job and there's no, there's just no certainty? So that I think runs through, is coursing through everyone's veins right now. And it's just, it's not a fun. I wouldn't say, I mean, it shouldn't be right now, but it's just the job isn't enjoyable because you are literally going from state to state and depending on the regulations, being shoved into a hotel room, no interactions. It can be a really, really lonely job. It's one of the loneliest jobs. It has the highest suicide rate. For, I did, not, for, 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 I did yeah. not know that. That's crazy. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? Is it, is it the isolation when you are traveling? Yeah, you're very, you're very isolated. And that's what, again, one of the misconceptions uh, of actually the travel industry, that you think that these people live in these big, lavish lives. And you have a lot of flight attendants that are very isolated and they're on their own and they're, not, they're away from their family. Mm. And they're, they're in a hotel room and they're constantly having to change their, you know, their surroundings. And th- there's a certain type of person that wants to work in that industry anyway. They like being a free spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. But with that, I, it is, it is um, it can be a really lonely job. There are days where you're just completely on your own or yet, you know, you're stuck at an airport because you have massive delays. And like I said, if you're not getting a lot, if you don't know your crew very well, it's not like you've got someone's hand to hold and be like, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, you're just going to your hotel room and you could be there for 42 hours and you haven't really got much to do. Yeah. So, it, so there are definitely ups and downs to it, but especially right now, I think it's, I, I can remember when everyone stopped working and I was still going because everyone was like, I can't, I can't do this because of COVID, which I completely understand. 
and I was still going and there was just there was just nothing to do and there was no one around and there was no food to get I had to get takeout from every single place because everything was shut down so Ashley I just want to go back to pre-pandemic for a second I mean overall just my take on the kind of picture you've painted of being a flight attendant again pre pre-pandemic you're already laughing it's, it's, it seems like a net not positive i'm just wondering pre-pandemic is were you overall enjoying it was the net for you positive is this something you you were looking forward to continue to do for a while like how did you feel about the job honestly i was i was starting to really enjoy it but adding 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 to it we have a thing where we have to sit on reserve i don't know if you guys know what that is well you're you're basically sat at home for 12 hours and you could potentially be called and you only have a two hour call time for where you're going so that part isn't isn't particularly enjoyable because you're just sat at home for 12 hours you can't really make plans you don't really have a life but what I will say is that when I started having trips like I had a had a schedule it was very enjoyable you have it's an amazing thing first and foremost to be able to put all your trips together and then take a month off no other job can do that so I could work for two weeks and then have a month or two months off if I wanted to, then you can have these trips with like amazing crews and you go out on a night out or you explore somewhere that you've never seen before and you wouldn't get that with anything else. So it was an amazing gig to have, but right now it just doesn't feel like the same job. And I really just don't know when that will change. Well, that, that I appreciate that. And so just to tie that question with what Trisha asked, I mean, given this moment now, which you shared, understandably, is very uncertain and that kind of thing. Has that changed your feelings? Like, are you suspending any judgment about like, well, maybe this things will go back to normal and this will be great again? Or is it like the stress and the strain and the uncertainty of the moment? Is that causing you or your colleagues to think about like, wow, this is much less uh, secure than it felt pre-pandemic? Yeah, one, I think 1,000%. I think, um, I think it's really made everyone realize how you can't really rely. And you think, I mean, you think this job was secure-ish, right? The travel industry. But I don't know what it's going to look like in two years time. It's, it's pretty scary, actually. I think a lot of airlines will probably go bust from this because you haven't, I don't think any airline has experienced this in history for being this out of, you know, when 9-11 happened, that was huge. That that played a massive part into the, the economy and the travel industry for, not pe- for people not flying. But this is way beyond that. It's way extended. So for me personally, I mean, yeah, I have to, I definitely have to look at other options because I can't just sit around and wait for them to be like, hey, you don't have a job. I mean, I think there's this really interesting question about whether this is like US based because Mm -hmm. I think there are other places that are not, I mean, they are working through COVID in some ways, Mm -hmm. right? So like you look at some place like Asia and it's like, flights are happening, things are happening, mm-hmm. right? So there is this sense that there's a possibility of not necessarily a return to normal, but maybe a kind of new... A new normal. A new normal that yeah. still has travel, but there, there is sort of an opportunity to maintain the industry. To, to, be, fair, though, to, to be fair, though, like flights are happening here. Right. You know, they're yeah. just, there's just an overlay, from what I'm understanding from Ashley, it's like sort of this overlay of dare I say like doom, like just for the, the people are terror, the people in the passengers are terrified. The flight attendants mm-hmm. are unsure. I don't know if that's like in other markets, but I can't imagine it's too different. 
just to give you, I got back from, I was in England for two months. I took a hiatus. I went home um, just because I'd been in, stuck in my New York apartment for a whole four months on my own <laughs> through a pandemic. And I was like, I need to leave. And it was very interesting because you were asking what, if, it's, if it's just America. It was night and day when I tell you going over to England, the feel in the air, you know how you have this, I, I don't know if you guys can feel it, there's, there's like this feeling in the air of COVID round, round here, not just COVID actually, just politically and America in general, it's very dark. Stepping onto the soil of, you know, my homeland, it just was, I was like, this is, no one was wearing a mask. No one was wearing a mask. But that's oh, not, it sounds like Texas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not good either. There's a difference between engaging a country that feels like it's working to control mm-hmm. the disease and they have a sense of what to do if something happens, as opposed to here, where people are kind of sheltering in place, hoping. They're like, well, maybe. I mean, that's a different interaction that you're having. And I guess that's the sense and the darkness that you're feeling, right? It's like, right. it's right. happening, yeah. but how does the country's response help you manage your feelings and your anxiety? I, listen, I don't think England's doing a much better job. I mean, honestly, they're as confusing as they are here. They'll say one thing and then there's another. They're like, you can't go to your funeral, but you can go to the pub. If you want to go to the pub, you can go to the pub, but you can't go to a funeral. Yeah. And it's just like they're constantly in this like state of confusion about like what's happening. But I do think it's, it was managed slightly different at the beginning. Like it was like very much like everything's locked down, but it's, it's much smaller than America. And there was no sense of leadership here whatsoever. There really just wasn't. It was, I, I don't feel anyway. I, I feel like it was, it was like, okay, well, we think that you should do this. Where I feel like it should have been very strong at the beginning. Hey, this is what needs to happen. And I think that the entire country would have felt slightly more secure. And I think that that for me, anyway, I don't know what you guys think, but that for me, I think is why now everyone's in this like state of, I don't know what to do because every state is different. Yeah. I wonder to get back to Trisha's question, now that I'm thinking more about it, I wonder if you did work for like Virgin Atlantic or, Mm. you know, Air France or something. I really wonder. Singapore Air. (laughs) Singapore Airlines. Aer Lingus. (laughs) Why is it called that? I don't I, know. Honey. Well, um, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I wonder if, I wonder if high club. they have any more security or they have a sense of security that you don't. I know you can't answer that, but it. I think it is interesting now that you're bringing up this idea that just mm-hmm. the feeling is different in England. I wonder if that translates to the industry as well. So are we going to see airlines based in America falling off while overseas they are doing better? I, I wonder. I will tell you that America cannot survive without a domestic airline, mm-hmm. okay? It's too big. How, I mean, you're gonna be driving for days and days to visit a family member. <laughs> I think that is the advantage that American airlines have mm-hmm. because we have to have, we have to have, uh, you have to have airplanes here to get anywhere. I'm not going to do that in England. Like, what are you going to do? Go to London, take London to Birmingham. That, that's like a 15 minute flight. <laughs> so like it's British Airways. That's frustrating though, because like 
I mean, we're getting back into this, a whole different conversation, yeah. but the too big to fail, right? Because if what we're saying, and I, I, my cousin works in the airline industry and he was telling me the airline he works for, which will go unnamed, was losing $10 million a day. And he's like, well, no one knows what's going to happen. This was back in March. They were losing $10 million a day. I don't know what's going on now. But if they can't recover on their own, if people don't immediately take back to the air, then we're looking at a giant government bailout or something. If, is it yeah. is, if it is, as you say, that you know, I never thought about it this way. But we just can't have the airlines in America fail and be like, well, I guess, I guess we'll oh, just yeah. have to wait. We can always invest in trains. Honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But even that, could you imagine? Like trains would take forever. Like only because our infrastructure is so poor. Yes, only yeah. I mean, but only we would have we would have to have gone back a hundred years ago and started that <laughs> process now. <laughs> God, I know we're way off topic, but like I took a train from Barcelona to Madrid, and you were shocked that America thinks it's. I, I thought I was in a spa. It was, I, it was it was the most enjoyable four hours of travel I've ever had in my life. It was great. The bathroom was usable. Amazing. Yeah. You could go in there, which I don't know if you ever tried to use the bathroom on Amtrak. Taking your life into your own hands. You've got to have all your shots. <laughs> Ashley, in wrapping up, <laughs> we're going to ask you for a media recommendation. Is there something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced during this, these pandemic days that's really getting you through that you would recommend that other people see, hear, read, or experience? Oh, okay. Well, I have a couple. I mean, I don't know if they're... Okay, we can take two. We have time for two. Oh, okay, fine. I'll, okay, I'll, I will say what's getting me through, um, I'm in the middle of watching Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. Okay, it's with people with autism who are finding love. And I really do think that they give them a great storyline. I think it give, gives a great insight to an autistic person. And it's just beautifully told. The relationships are gorgeous. The people, are, it just like lifts your spirit. If you're needing something because everything is dark and heavy, that has been something that I've really enjoyed watching. I think it's just been super sweet and lovely. And if you're wanting something a bit more, for me, I thought Disclosure was a great documentary. Can you tell people what that is? Yeah, I don't know what that is. What's oh, that? wow, yeah. You, you tell them a bit about what it was. What it thanks, is. thanks for passing the torch. Now I've got to do your work. You're the guest, but sure, no, I'll answer the questions. I feel like I've talked so much. <laughs> um, Disclosure is a Netflix documentary about trans representation in film oh. and media. And it's like all, all your usual suspects are there. Janet Mock, Laverne Cox, like the cast of Pose. And it really is tracing it from like all the way back to today. And it was really, it was fantastic. You know, it was really fantastic. And just things that you laughed at in the past. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective, but there's this entire thing where like the villain is like a trans woman and like- Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Carrey's character leads the entire, everyone on set into like vomiting the idea that this could be like a woman with a penis. And it's like, I remember that at the time. And I do remember- watching it thinking this feels mean but i was like oh well what are you gonna do and it's and listening to the trans people who work in front and behind the camera talk about what it was like growing up with that being the representation just i mean as a minority myself like it just it really hit home it's it was really very good yeah i i honestly it kind of blew my mind it blew my mind a little bit because you just don't look at it through that lens. And it's like anything that and 13th was, an, it's the thing, if I'm wanting anyone to get a little bit of education, I'm like, here, mm-hmm. 
these are the two things that I really, I just really recommend. Okay. So now you've recommended love on the spectrum. Yeah. (laughs) Now you've recommended 13th. I do want to, I do want to ask for one other thing though, which is what was the death song? Oh God, no, (laughs) you're going to die. Gonna <laughs> I, I have to know now. I have to know now. What was it? It's so cheesy. It's the ending song in Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great song, though. That's a great song to die to. Thank you. Drama. The drama. The drama. It's such a beautiful song. Thank you. But it what is. Would, super what would cheesy. my death song be? Think about it. I think you want something that makes you feel like relaxed and you're like epic and you're like, wow, this is a moment and you just don't want to concentrate on dying. What would that song be? I'm going down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> no, that's too literal. <laughs> that's too much. Very that would literal. make you miserable. You're really thinking about it. I'm really thinking. I, you know what's, what's I'm sorry I asked. This is a morbid conversation. No, we're going to wrap up, but... but you know I do what? need to know all your death songs. I would pick something really discordant. Like the first mm-hmm. thing that came to my mind, I'm not even kidding, is the theme song to Pee Wee's Playhouse. <gasps> I think that's something, like, maybe just like a circus theme. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I love oh my do a very mellow Bob Marley song. I'm a huge Bob Marley lover. I think Which that was one? Awesome. Which one? Which one? All of his songs are so chill to me. I'm, I'll go down. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good choice. It made you feel nice and relaxed. You have to give yeah, us yours. I remember. Jason, come on, Jason. We can't close come the on, show Jason. now because this is what this is what the topic is about. Now it's no longer you about. You were serenading that mic. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting right up in that. The only song that comes to mind with this question is uh, the MIA song, "Paper Airplanes." Yeah, "Paper Airplanes." Yeah. Aw, that's, that's very symbolic. Again, you guys are so literal. <laughs> So literal. I mean, very Jason. Of you. <laughs> oh, Ashley, thank you so much for chatting with us. You're wonderful. Thank you, thank guys. you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad that you're back in town. Let's hang out. I would yeah. love that. I'm so sorry. It was so morbid. Socially, I felt like it was just. Like- I know. We we really <laughs> took us down a path. <laughs> We were, we were expecting fun stories from the air, and you were like, it's miserable, and we're all killing oh, ourselves. <laughs> no, it's fine. You were great. And on that note, everybody, bye. 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 bye.